If I haven't said Happy New Year to you yet, Happy New Year. And uh, if, if you're new around here, uh, my name is Steve and I'm one of the pastors here and I get to bring our message for us today. And in this new year, we are in a brand new uh, series of sermons here at New Life and it's a series where we're, we're just kind of stepping back and taking in the bigger picture of what we've been called to do as a church and how we go about that. And so uh, in your worship folder is this little insert. It's got some study notes on there, but on the back side of it has a little thing that says uh, New Life Church Ministry DNA. Would you take that out for a minute? We know, that as, we know what DNA is, right? We know that as individuals, it's our DNA that makes us what we are. But Did you know that churches also, you could say, have a a DNA as well, a DNA that defines who we are as a body of believers, and here at New Life, our ministry DNA includes our mission and our vision and our motto, it includes our core values, and it includes our strategy. And so whether, you know, you've been hanging around here for years or decades, you're a longtime ministry partner at New Life, or perhaps you're brand new here and just kind of checking out our church, I wanted you to have this so that you could know who we are and what we're all about here. I was hoping this would be helpful to you. And take a minute and notice there our mission as a church. Our mission is what we've been called to do by Jesus. And I would remind us that, that churches don't get to like choose their own mission from a buffet of options, okay? The founder of the church, Jesus, assigned us our mission. It's repeated. In all four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, it's also in the book of Acts, and it's called the Great Commission. That's what it is. And just before our Lord ascended back up into heaven, he told his followers this. He said, go and make disciples of all nations. That's the Great Commission. Go, he said, and win more loyal followers of me from every people group on the planet. Spread the good news of what I've done for people. Spread it. Spread it to everybody who's willing to hear it. Urge them to believe it with all their heart and then challenge them to start following me and and my way of life. And I'm so glad that those first followers of Jesus took that commission seriously, aren't you? From that Mount of Olives where they had that final conversation with Jesus, they did go. They went back to their city. And after being empowered by Jesus' Holy Spirit, they started telling that message of the good news to their friends and their neighbors. And they were so effective at it that before too long, the city leaders held a press conference of sorts and said this. They said, you guys have filled Jerusalem with your teaching. That's Acts 5.28, imagine that. They were saying our, our, our city is now full of the good news about Jesus everywhere we go. We hear about Jesus, we go to coffee shops and they're talking about Jesus. We go to the gym and they're talking about Jesus. We go to the mall and they're talking about Jesus. You guys have filled our city with the teaching about Jesus Christ. That's not a bad thing. That's a, a prayer we have in our day as well. Lord, fill our city, fill fill Columbus, Ohio with the good news. Fill fill Gehanna and Whitehall and Reynoldsburg and Blacklick and Westerville and Pataskala and and other communities with 
the gospel. May, may they become saturated with the good news of Jesus. Jesus the Savior, Jesus our King, the one who came to save people from their sins and give them new life in his kingdom. Well, that's what those very first disciples of Jesus did. They filled their hometown with the message of Jesus and then, and then they spread out to the surrounding regions, right? Called Judea and Samaria and that, that outward expansion of the gospel continued all the way, it says, to the uttermost parts of the earth. And so Peter and James and John and their cohorts went out and they won people who in turn won more people who won even more people, who discipled yet even more people, and now, 2,000 years later, there are devoted followers of Jesus Christ all over the world, and including some in this room here today. And so here at New Life Church, we embrace Jesus' great commission as our mission. And it's an ongoing mission that Jesus' church is called to engage in until that day when he returns to take all of his people home. This mission statement that you see here on this page is simply our way of verbalizing it or articulating it to lead people into a transforming relationship with Jesus through the gospel. That's our mission. To lead people, all kinds of people. Short people, tall people, black people, white people, rich people, poor people, white collar people, blue collar, all kinds of people to lead people into a relationship. We're not about religion here. Religion kills people. Religion is about performance. But this is a relationship with God that comes to us through grace. To lead people into a relationship. And it changes us, right? And and when when you invite Christ into your life, it begins to to change you. And and Jesus begins to give you new desires. And new ambitions. And new affections. And new loves. And new priorities. It's a transforming relationship. And it happens through the gospel as we take in the good news and get it down deep into our bones. So this is our mission here at New Life. Now the focus of this series that we're in right now is the how. The how of accomplishing our mission. The strategy. And so note down at the bottom of that ministry DNA sheet, our strategy is very simple. Three words. We didn't want to make it, you know, 42 steps to fulfilling the mission. Three words, reach, train, and send. How simple is that? Would you say those words with me? Reach, train, and send. Reach people with the gospel, train them deeper in the gospel, and then send them out for the gospel. And we send them out into the world so that they can reach more and train more and send more. So it's this never-ending cycle of reproducing more and more followers of Jesus-loving people. That's what Jesus himself did when he was here, and we're convinced it's the strategy that he entrusted to his church so that his grace would, would be experienced by as many people as possible. So last week, Alan was up here, right? If you were here... Alan, and he taught us about reach, reaching people. We are in, you could say, the people reaching business. I mentioned to you that I took up a new hobby this last year, and um, it's called pickleball. And most people have like, what 
is that, you know? And, and so I, the way I describe it is it's a cross between tennis and ping pong, okay? And it's a great sport, it's a fast growing sport. And if you've wondered why I've taken that up, it's not just because I'm competitive and pickleball is a natural next step for somebody who played tennis for 40 years and wants to preserve his knees. <laughs> Although it is that for me, but it's not just that. I also have taken up this sport because I get to meet a lot of people who don't know Jesus yet. And I'm a pastor, so I work with Christians. I'm around Christian people a lot. I have to get very intentional and deliberate to make sure I'm in the lives of people who don't know Jesus yet. And so really the main reason I'm playing pickleball is not just to win pickleball matches, which I don't mind doing, but also to hang around Vicki and John and Kara and Jim and others that I'm meeting because I want to be in their lives and I'm asking God, use me to reach these people. Use me. Reach, train, send. Our strategy starts with reaching out to people and building credible, loving relationships with them. I pray we all see ourselves as reachers, as witnesses, as carriers of this message that we've been entrusted with. Reach people, but then train them. And did you notice that Alan last week not only taught us about reaching out, but he snuck in some training as well. Did you notice that? It was slick. He, he gave us some tools for how to reach people. He talked about our story, right? And, and using our story as we share with people. And then that bridge diagram, remember that with a cross across that? that that's a tool. He was, he was equipping us with some training. It's helpful. And so training is the second step in our very simple strategy for carrying out our mission so that our city can be filled with Jesus, with Jesus. And you know what? We can all participate in reaching, and we can all participate in training too. And I would say this, we must. We must, or we will end up taking the path that too many churches take, we will end up drifting away from our mission and become just one more church on one more street corner that exists only for its own interests. And I say, God, spare us from that. Spare us from that. It's not what we want to be. It's not why we moved here 35 years ago to start this church. We want to be a church that makes a difference for Christ, that joins him in his mission in this world. And so we need training, we need to be trained in this regard. And there's a lot of things I could talk about when it comes to this subject of training, but I'm going to restrain myself and limit myself to just two thoughts, <laughs> two challenges really. For me, for you in this area, here they are, ready? Become trained yourself and then help train others. Amen. Simple. Get the training you need and invest in somebody else who needs trained also. The beauty of this, I think, is that you can apply it no matter where you are on the spectrum of spiritual maturity in your life. You can even be brand new in the faith, like a recent convert to Christ, to Christianity, and you can do this. Even if you're a new believer, you can seek out training to grow in your faith and you can find somebody else who's just a little bit behind you and you can help them take steps too. 
You can do this if you're a brand new believer. You can do this if you're a seasoned veteran of the faith and you've been walking with God for years or decades even. The principle is the same. Seek out training for yourself at deeper levels because there's always deeper levels. There's always areas that we need to grow in. How many of you could stand a little bit of improvement in your life? Okay, we should all be raising, none of us have arrived, right? So even if you've been a believer for 50 years, you can seek out training for yourself, and if you are really that far along in your faith, there will always be others behind you who actually need someone to come alongside them and invest in them and help them take steps with God too. We can all bring others at least to where we are. So I wanna explore these two ideas a bit more, and, and I am not ashamed at all today to challenge each of you to engage with both of these. So first, become trained yourself, accept the challenge to discipline yourself in order to grow spiritually. You see that word discipline? Think about the word disciple and discipline. Can you see that there's a connection there? There is really no discipleship without discipline, self-discipline. Now, it's January, right? And this is the time of year when many, 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 many people decide to start in on a new training regimen in order to shed those pounds that they put on during the holidays, right? Or maybe just to get healthier or maybe to strengthen their cardio system or whatever. You go to the gym these days and it's packed. You can't hardly find an elliptical to get on or a a machine to get on because everybody's there. It's January. Check back in mid-April, early May. There'll be a little more room probably. But this is a time of year when people begin to do that. Some people might even hire a personal trainer to help them tone up or firm up or bulk up or buff up or maybe even to get in shape to run that half marathon this year that they've been wanting to do. A personal trainer, we have some personal trainers right here in our church, it's awesome. It's all good, right? To engage in a rigorous physical training regimen to improve your health, to to improve your strength or endurance, this is all good. But listen to this verse, 1 Timothy 4, 7, listen now have nothing to do with irreverent, silly myths. Boy, that's good advice, isn't it? I think the King James says, old wives' tales. (laughs) Have nothing to do with those things. Rather, train yourself to be godly. Train yourself for godliness, for while bodily training is of some value, godliness is of value in every way, as it holds promise for the present life, but also for the life to come. Isn't that interesting? Train yourself for godliness. The word translated train here is the Greek word gymnazo. Isn't that interesting? From which we get our word gymnasium, right? So, so the writer here, who's the Apostle Paul, is basically saying, look, if you wanna grow in godliness, go to the gym. Start working out, establish a training regimen for your own spiritual training and strengthening and development. Isn't that interesting? I realize that might be a new thought for some of you. Train in godliness? 
Training to lose weight or training to get fit is fine. That's good. It has value. We should be doing that. I'm in the gym. I'm also on the pickleball courts. But here it says training yourself in godliness is even more valuable. Why? Because the results of that, it says, will last beyond this life, beyond the point where they take our body, fit or not, and lay it in the ground. Godliness, it says, has value on into eternity forever and ever and ever. So the Bible writer here challenges us to get serious about our spiritual fitness and to take responsibility, like we do with our bodies, to take responsibility for our spiritual growth and development, to be intentional about getting the training we need to grow spiritually. And so I had this thought the other day. Have have you ever thought about hiring a spiritual fitness trainer? There's a thought. You know, the old timers used to do this. The old timers called these people spiritual directors. And they believe that every follower of Jesus needs a person in their life to whom they've given permission to help train them spiritually, train them in godly, Christ-like living. Maybe you hear that and you say, hire him? Seriously? Yes. Pay them by taking them out to breakfast every month. Yeah, think about it. Is there somebody you know in your life who is ahead of you spiritually? They're ahead of you on the scale of maturity in Christ, someone that you could approach and say, look, I realize I'm getting a little flabby spiritually. I need a trainer, I need some help. I I know there's room for growth in my walk with Christ. I think you might be able to help me. Would you be willing to meet me once a month at First Watch? Or Scramblers? Or Tim Hortons or Bob Evans or wherever, I'll buy. And I want you to ask me questions about my spiritual life and challenge me in my growth with Christ. Would you be willing to do that? To provide some accountability to help me grow? on me. I think many of us could benefit from having a spiritual partner, a spiritual director, a spiritual mentor in our lives to help us in our training. So when you think about training, we, I think, most naturally think about our physical training, training our bodies, training in fitness, which again is is great, but what areas do followers of Jesus need training in in order to grow in godliness? May I suggest several We could talk about skills, right? Skills training. There are skills, spiritual growth skills that you and I need if we're going to become godly followers of Jesus Christ. You say, what kind of skills are you talking about? How about skills like daily feeding your soul from God's word? That's a spiritual growth skill that can be learned, that can be acquired. How about learning how to meditate on scripture? I mean, just marinate your mind in the word of God. That's a spiritual skill that that can be acquired, that you can learn. How about skills like learning to pray in a way that connects with the heart of God? Skills. How about the skill of preaching the gospel to yourself every day? How about the the spiritual growth skill of putting on, excuse me, putting on the armor of God? in the morning. How about this skill? How about the skill, man, I'm losing my voice. 
How about the skill of preaching with a decent voice? How about the skill of learning to listen to others with warmth and empathy and respect? How about that skill, listening? These are spiritual growth skills that we need to grow in godliness. How about the skill of sharing your faith with other people? There are skill levels in each of these areas. There are beginner skills, there are intermediate skills, there are advanced skills. And we can acquire these skills through receiving training in them and we can receive training both in formal ways like in taking a class, but also in more informal ways like linking up with a spiritual partner, a spiritual trainer, a spiritual mentor, someone who has that skill who can impart it to us through modeling, through being an example to us. At that first breakfast meeting, you could ask, how do you do this? How do you pray? How do you meditate on scripture? How do you go about building relationships so you can share your faith? You know, here's the reality. You can learn to pray at some level by taking a class or by reading a book, but to really learn a deeper level of praying, you know what you need to do? Pray with someone who has a deeper level of praying. That's how I learned to pray. Praying with people who got a hold of God in their prayer. And it's like, oh my, there's a whole other dimension here that I had no idea about. We learn best through example. Think about witnessing. We grow more confident in witnessing, usually by observing others who are skilled at witnessing and then watching them and mimicking them and then doing it more and more and more ourselves. You become a better listener by watching good listeners and mimicking what they do. I think it's why God puts us in families, both biological families and spiritual families, so so we have models and mentors and examples around us that we can observe and watch and learn from. So skills, getting trained in basic skills of discipleship. Beyond skill, This is going to be interesting, isn't it? Beyond skills, there are also values that we need training in. Uh, On the back side of your sheet there, there are four core values that uh, we embrace here as a church, keeping the gospel central in our lives. We talk about gospel-shaped identity, seeing ourselves as God sees us, as he sees us. Talk about gospel-formed community, this conviction we have that we need to be doing life together with, with some other people in community, sharing life together and loving on each other, and then the gospel propelling us out on mission in this world with Jesus. Those are values. We need to be trained in values as well. There's also knowledge that we need to be trained in. Sometimes knowledge gets a bad rap, in Christian circles, some Christian circles, and it's true, some people are all head and no heart. And it's not just about acquiring knowledge because knowledge, it's true, can puff up while love builds up, it says. But you know, the truth is we do need to know some stuff if we're gonna grow spiritually, isn't that true? And I challenge you to grow in your knowledge and to grow in your understanding of all of the facets of this glorious gospel knowledge is actually essential for growing and maturing you say what areas of knowledge well how about how about becoming more well versed in our position in Christ I mean how important is that to know who we are 
in Christ. How, how crucial is that for growing spiritually? Too many Christians are mired in a spiritual slump. <clears throat> mired in a spiritual slump because they still perceive themselves the way that the kids back in middle school perceive them or the teachers in middle school. We need knowledge of our true identity in Christ. God says in the Bible, my people suffer for lack of knowledge. So we need to grow in knowledge. Knowledge about other things, spiritual gifts, spiritual warfare, the principles of the kingdom of God, Growing in our knowledge of the story, the grand story of God, creation, fall, redemption, and restoration. Learning how to articulate some of the great doctrines of our faith, like, like substitutionary atonement and the perseverance of the saints and propitiation. Those are not just big ideas and impressive words. Those things matter for our lives as we seek to follow God. I'm not trying to overwhelm you. I'm trying to show you there's just still much room for growth and knowledge. In all of us, none of us have arrived. None of us yet know everything we need to know. So get training in the skills of a disciple, in values, in knowledge. There's other aspects to be trained in. Character, right? Integrity. Perspective. How we see the world. Life mission. Discovering your own unique divine design. The challenge I'm giving you is to take responsibility for your own spiritual growth and development. Get more intentional about it. Sit down with a <clears throat> spiritual partner or a mentor, maybe your small group leader or a pastor here or an elder or a ministry team leader or somebody you just know is ahead of you on this journey. Somebody you respect as a spiritually mature person. Humbly ask them to help you map out a plan for being trained in an area that you know you need to grow in. Maybe you start with an area you're weak in. Like, oh man, I, I am just so weak in Bible reading or sharing my faith or prayer. You can start there, right? A, an area where you, you know needs showing up in your life. You say, well, that sounds like it could be hard work. Well, yeah, going to the gym and working out, you'll sweat. It's hard work. It takes effort. But there will be a payoff that you'll be glad for one day and other people will as well. <clears throat> Please don't misunderstand me. If you know me, you know that I like to focus more on the done aspect of Christianity. I like to focus more when I preach and teach on the completed work of Jesus for us, who did all the heavy lifting, right? Who paid for our sins, who did the work so that we could be saved. We live on this side of the cross. We live on this side of it is finished. We live on the done side. I love talking about that. But, but for those who have received that free gift of salvation, as many of you have, we, we must understand this. We do have a role in our ongoing growth and development from that moment of salvation. We have a role. We have a part. We participate in it. We're called to cooperate with God's sanctifying work in our lives once we've received his free gift of salvation. Consider these verses, 2 Peter 3.18. But grow, isn't that interesting? It's a command, it's an instruction. Grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Or 2 Peter 1.5, for this reason, make every effort. See that? Make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue and virtue with knowledge. Grow. 
or Philippians 2.12, Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out. <laughs> work out. Go to the gym. Work out your own salvation. Don't, it doesn't say work it up or work at it. No, it's in you. Work it out with fear and trembling. For it's God, it says, the next verse, who works in you to will and to do of his good pleasure. Make every effort. Work it out. Train yourself for godliness. So here's the truth. Done leads to do. (laughs) Christ's work for us fuels our efforts to grow in godliness. I've heard this called grace-driven effort, and I love that term. I think that term captures it, don't you? Grace-driven effort. Because it stands in contrast to performance-driven effort, which says work hard and you'll be accepted. That's not what I'm talking about today. Grace-driven effort says in Christ you are accepted. So now you're free to work hard at growing in him without fear of failure or without rejection, or fear of rejection. Listen, you're not going to do this perfectly. You're not. (laughs) You're not going to work out perfectly. This came to me in the shower this morning, which is often where God speaks to me. There's a couple of cautions here I want to give all of us as we seek to train in godliness and the first is that some of us labor under the yoke of perfectionism we labor under this yoke of thinking I've got to do it perfectly all the time and I just want you to be released from that you're not going to do it perfectly Jesus did it perfectly for you the pressure's off give yourself grace you're not going to do it perfectly and the second caution is the caution against wearing somebody else's armor. And that comes from the story of David and Saul. And when David was going to go out in the battle and fight Goliath, Saul said, here, here's my armor. Put my armor on. David was a kid. Saul was this grown man. David tried to put Saul's armor on. He took a few steps, said, I can't do it. It's not me. And there's a danger in this this area of spiritual discipline and spiritual training that you'll try to do it like somebody else does it you'll have the weight of Saul's armor on you and you'll think, this isn't working for me. And you're right, it's not. I remember one of my spiritual mentors had this discipline that he did. He read a book a week. And he challenged me, you know, read a book a week, Steve, 52 books a year. You'll grow through that. And I I probably would have, but I couldn't pull it off. I couldn't do it. You know, I think I read the first book in like three weeks. I'm a slower reader. I got to absorb, you know, I got to go over it a couple times and absorb it. And finally, I just said, I'm trying to wear Saul's armor here. This is not me. (laughs) This training regimen has to be customized for you and who you are. Don't don't labor under this Saul's armor syndrome, I call it. You don't have to be like that person or that guy or that spiritual superstar, you know. You just got to be you. So anyway, that's from from the shower from this morning. (laughs) Hope it's helpful. Paul wrote this, I worked harder than any of the other apostles, though it was not I, but the grace of God that is in me. 
There's this spiritual energy now when the gospel gets down into your bones. Colossians 1.29, to this end I labor, he said, struggling with all of his, ooh, this is interesting, his energy which so powerfully works in me. Oh, it's God in us. God in us supplying strength and energy to grow and to train. We must train in order to grow and mature and get stronger. Spiritual training is not about trying to get God to like you more or trying to get God to treat you better or trying to get God to answer your prayers. It's not about trying to get something in return at all from God. All of that would be missing the point. I'm talking about getting more intentional about your own spiritual growth in order to grow closer to Jesus, in order to reflect his character more to the world, in order to hear his voice more clearly. I'm talking about getting more intentional in your spiritual growth so that you can keep your joy tank full in him no matter what happens to you in your life. And I'm talking about growing so that you have something to offer others so that you're more equipped to be used by God to help other people take steps spiritually as well. And that brings us to that second challenge. So the first one is what? Yeah, <clears throat> I need you to talk more actually in this <laughs> sermon. Get trained yourself. And then the second one is help train others. Accept the challenge to intentionally invest in other people to help them take steps, to help them grow spiritually. Remember the Great Commission? Go make disciples. It doesn't end with me. It doesn't end with you. It doesn't end with us. So be a disciple, yes, but also help other people be disciples. I love how Paul the apostle spelled this out, I think most clearly in 2 Timothy 2.2. He wrote this, what you have heard from me, what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to faithful men who will be able to what? Teach others also. So train others who can train others who can pass it on to even others. Do you see that? It's like Alan said last week, his mentor taught him to love God and love other people than to teach somebody else to love God and love other people so they could in turn teach someone else to love God and love other people. It's called spiritual reproduction. It's called being fruitful and multiplying, multiplying your one and only life. You see, Bible tells us that living things reproduce after their own kind. That means disciples make disciples, followers of Jesus, will produce more followers of Jesus. I guess we could say it this way, Christianity is by nature contagious. But in a good way, not like the flu that's going around these days. This is a good and healthy contagion that we hope will spread and become epidemic, right? The good news. It was meant to be spread. It was meant to be passed on. So just to kind of bring this, this challenge down to make it very practical and, and accessible, I heard a pastor pose this question to his congregation one time. Who's your two? Who's your two? Two people. Not who's your hundred or who's your thousand. Who are two people in your life that the Lord might be calling you to invest your life in? Two people. 
two people that you could get more. They're probably already in your life. It's just a matter of getting more intentional in investing in them spiritually in some way. Some of you already think this way. I think of my longtime friend, Fred, here in this church, who's been doing this for decades. He was doing it far before I was doing it. I think of people in this church who are investing intentionally in a few people, people like Jeff and Kathy, people like Andrew, people like Joanna and Matt and Rand and Lori who are seeking to live their lives with intentionality, who meet regularly with a few other hungry people for the purpose of helping them grow spiritually and just pouring into them. If this idea of helping to train others, investing in others is new to you and you're asking, well, who, 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 where do I start with this? I encourage you to start with prayer. Lord, open my eyes. Show me who's in my life who I I might be able to be used by you to help take some steps. Maybe you could reach back. Think about reaching back to someone who's a little bit behind you and come alongside them and help them take steps spiritually. Is there somebody like that in your life? There's always someone who needs to get where you're at, and please don't make the mistake of thinking like this. Man, I have got to get fully trained first in every single aspect of discipleship before I try to help somebody else. Don't make the mistake of thinking that way. Or I've got to know all the answers first. Or I've got to fix my own life first. Get rid of all my bad habits first before I try to help somebody else along. How many of you have ever thought like that? I really think that's one of those old wives' tales. I really think that's one of those silly myths that we're supposed to dispose of that are keeping us from investing in other people because we think, I gotta have it all together before I ever start trying to help somebody else. No, you can always help bring someone to at least where you're at. You say, well, I'm not here yet, that's okay. When you get there, God will have somebody for you there, but right now you're here, right? You can, you can help someone here and now, so we need to dis- discard that lie that we have to be perfect before we can be used to help somebody else. In fact, your imperfections, my imperfections, actually help us in connecting with other people because it makes it more accessible. If you were perfect, people would, get, I, I can't, you know, I can't get where you're at. It's our weaknesses that help us connect with others. Have you noticed that? We can do this. We can do this. We don't have to be perfect or know all the answers. Every single one of you can reach back and find somebody who isn't quite where you're at and start investing in them. Start by just asking them to meet up for breakfast. Here's a way to start. Don't don't start like this. Hey, I want to be your mentor. Is that okay? It doesn't. That's not effective. Start by saying, meet me at first watch for breakfast. I'd really like to just hear your story. I'd like to hear your story, your journey in, in life, and, and your, including your spiritual story. A lot of great discipling relationships started by just sharing stories with each other. So reach back. Or how about reaching out to the side to a friend who's more like a peer? They're, they're kind of, they're where you're at in life, and You could reach out to them for the purpose of kind of spurring each other on to more spiritual growth. Or how about this? How about reaching across a generational line 
to invest in somebody who's at a different life stage than you are. That's why I love being in a multi-generational church where we have people who are in their 90s and we have babies and we have all five generations in between. I love that because that means the possibilities really are endless for this. As I think about generational investment, I think about the parents here. And if you are a parent, you have a primary training responsibility for those little ones that are in your home that you brought into the world. I mean, you were fruitful and multiplied, right? It's great. You got built in right into your home some people that you can invest in and, and invest in your kids, not just in lacrosse and not just in dance, but invest in them spiritually. I say this, let your kids see you praying. Let your kids see you doing acts of kindness towards your neighbors in Jesus' name. Be intentional about sharing what you're reading in God's word with your kids or what you've learned in church or small group with your children. Tell them about your small group service project that your groups engage with or better yet, take them along with you and serve together. Yes, I know, they will grow up one day. They will make their own decisions about things. Believe me, I get that. (laughs) But if you plant those seeds in their hearts when they are young, there is bound to be fruit at some point. So who's your two? Two little ones who live in your home. Are there two people in your life who you could come alongside in some way and help them take their next step with God. All right, I'm getting ready. My landing gear is coming down. I'm getting ready to land this sermon, okay? And I just want you to know that you you don't have to do this alone. You don't have to do it alone. We don't have to train all by ourselves, and helping other people grow does not have to be this solo effort that it's all on you. What's that little acrostic that we like? Uh, Team, right? Together, everyone accomplishes more. In our church, you're part of a church that's full of opportunities for you to receive training yourself and also avenues to come alongside other people who would benefit as well. In fact, one of the, <coughs> excuse me, one of the simplest things you can do to accomplish both of these challenges is to ask that person that you're investing in to take some training with you. That merges those two together, right? So let me mention just a few of the training opportunities that we have here at New Life. So last week we had this sermon on reach, right? Reaching out, and we offered an evangelism workshop on Tuesday night, and 35 of you came and received some training in just becoming more proficient at sharing your faith with others. It was great. I've heard great comments about it. We'll offer that again. We have a worship summit coming up in March, which is just around the corner, actually. And, and we do the worship summit. Now, yes, people from other churches come here, but we do it to provide and offer training in how to become a better worshiper of Jesus in your heart, worshiping God as he deserves. Also, there's this aspect, this track of training others in, in musical worship. So, you know, vocally and instrumentally, some of you, you know, you you played something, played an instrument in middle school or high school and you, and you thought, maybe I should pull that off the shelf and <laughs> dust it off, you know, and see if I can pull this together again. Maybe God could use this. 
That's March 13 and 14, training and worship. You can register now online. We, we offer these spiritual development classes here around here. Every term, this is classroom training designed to help you grow in a variety of areas. The next one coming up is a round table. It's titled Exploring Racial and Cultural Bias in Light of the Gospel. How about that? Secret Church. How many of you have ever been to Secret Church? Talk about training. Talk about fire hose training. Six hours, one night, you know, fire hose. Awesome training in one aspect of Christian living. This year will be held here in April, and the topic is God, government, and the gospel. It'll be great. Marriage training. My wife and I were at this on uh, Friday night. Every month we offer a Marriage Matters, which, which provides training in some area, uh, some area of building godly marriages. This time it was love and respect. Man, it was great. Parenting training. Pastor Brett and his wife are spearheading a monthly class and workshop that will focus on parenting our kids with gospel lenses on. Small group leader training. I mentioned that earlier on that yellow sheet. A little lab Lab training for those who might want to start a group for themselves. We have our pipeline leadership development training program that's been in effect now for over a year. We've had about 100 people go through that. I mean, here's what you can do if you sense you need to take a step in this area. Go to enewlife.com train, and they're all there. <laughs> and you can sign up to be on different lists and be notified when things, training opportunities are coming your way. And as I said, consider if you do this, consider doing it with someone else, inviting, say, hey, let's do this together. Then we can talk about it. Who knows how God might use that. All right, so I'm giving you two challenges today, right? I wonder who's gonna take me up on them. Become trained yourself. Become trained yourself. And become more intentional about investing in, in others, helping others be trained. Who's your two? I challenge you to take a first step in each of those two areas and then commit it to the Lord. So I'm gonna ask you to do that right now. Would you, would you just bow your heads? We're gonna take about a minute right now just in the presence of God. And I, guess I wanna ask, how many of you would lift your hand and say, God is speaking to me today, Steve, about getting more trained myself? Could I see your hands? There's areas in my life that I need shored up <laughs> I could benefit from some training. Praise God. Thank you for that. Would you just commit to the Lord to take a step? Say, Lord, help me to take a step. I want to take a step in the right direction here by your grace. And how many of you would say, well, God's, I sense God speaking to me about helping to train someone else, investing more in someone else to help them take steps. Could I see your hands? Yeah. Amen. Amen. We'll commit that to the Lord as well right now, would you? There's a lot of ways the Lord could have spoken to you today. Our prayer partners are taking their place right now up here, and um, man, I would encourage you to come and receive prayer today. I mean, it might be regarding something that we, we haven't even talked about this morning, but feel free to come and be prayed for, but I, those, uh, those words in the shower this morning have struck me that I think there's some of you who have labored under the yoke of perfectionism. And I, I really believe God can break that like instantaneously. 
And if that's you, if you're always thinking, man, I gotta do it perfectly, or I'm gonna be rejected, or people aren't gonna like me, or whatever, would, would you come and receive prayer? And just ask the prayer partner, would you pray that that yoke of perfectionism over my life would be broken? That I'd walk out of here free from that. Or maybe when I talked about, you know, Saul's armor, that Saul's armor syndrome, and having to feel like I gotta do it like somebody else does it, I gotta do it like they do it, and man, that's just a yoke too, and, and that can, needs to be broken as well. God has something uniquely designed for you that fits who you are, and you don't have to try to be somebody else. So Lord, may some people today even be freed up as they st- take a step to humbly just come before you and receive prayer and say, Lord, break this stronghold in my life because I want to be free. We sang about your freedom earlier and it's true. I pray that you would grace us with your freedom imparting power. Lord, help us to grow more and more into the image of Christ. We want to follow you. And I ask that you grant us the divine enablement take the step that you're calling us to take not necessarily what somebody else thinks we need to do but the step you're calling us to take may we say yes to you even now I pray in Jesus name